1986, Iceland took part as a country for the first time. Their participation from the beginning was no success, and until today's guest Selma took part in the contest, her home country had only reached the top 10 twice. How come she took part in 1999? What are her memories from Jerusalem? And how much of a superstar is she in her country today? This is Eurovision Legends, and I'm your EFJALAJÖKULT, Emil Lövström. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Selma. Thank you. How are you? I'm actually very good, to be honest. COVID is going down in Iceland, and I even was able to go to the theater the other week, and uh, they've opened up the swimming pools again, so I can't complain. Ah, lovely. Lovely start for 2021. Yeah. Tell me, what is your first memory of the Eurovision Song Contest? My first memory is Diggy Lou Diggy Lay. Mm. Uh, just love that, love that song. <laughs> Those special <laughs> shoes and the, the choreography. And yeah, I think that's probably my very earliest memory. I thought we could warm up with some quick questions. What do you say about that? Sure. Best song from Iceland in Eurovision? Um... Wow, that's difficult. I can't name one, to be honest. Um, Can you pick two? Oof, I really liked Hatari. Is it true, Johanna? Is it true? Is it true? I liked paper with Svala. But you make me feel like paper. You can't write through. I'm stuck like blue. I like This Is My Life. This is my life. I want to change to play. This is my life. Yeah, so, and I like Tunis Aqua. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of difficult for me to name one. Worst song from Iceland in Eurovision? Worst song? Well, maybe not the worst, but the one that maybe should not have gone out. It was Thasmengin uh, Sier. It got zero points. Yeah. It's not a horrible song, but I just don't think it was right for this competition. And I mean, Daniel August is a superstar today. He's a great singer, one of my all-time favorites. But I think that maybe that song didn't fit the competition. Who should have won Eurovision but didn't? I. Me. <laughs> Great answer. 
who should not have won Eurovision but did. Oh, wow. Okay, we're talking years and years here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ukraine that year when they did. I was not a big fan, but I mean, probably a lot of other songs, but this is the first that comes into mind. It was not my favorite at the time. Yeah. So I don't think it should have won. Favorite country in Eurovision besides Iceland? Sweden. Who do you want to see participate in Eurovision for Iceland next year? Uh, I would like to see Salkasol. When will Iceland win Eurovision? Perhaps this year, because Dade had quite a following Yeah. Uh, in 2020, and his song was really really popular and played worldwide so i think that will kind of help him he has now a lot of fans and he's pretty known now in the eurovision world so i haven't heard the song though you always have to hear the song (laughs) (laughs) but i think like i'm optimistic for this year i'm not gonna say we're gonna win i have to hear the song last question one word about the song take me to your heaven it reminds me a lot of abba that went as smooth as an Icelandic glacier. <laughs> wow. But now my mind is going like, there are so many songs that I could have said, you know. I- I've talked to several from Iceland and everyone has said uh, Nina for their favorite song. Yeah. So I was glad that you didn't pick that one. But it's a nice song as well. Yeah. It's like an Icelandic sing-along. Everybody knows it. But I forgot about it, you see. <laughs> it's like Ja Ja Ding Dong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 1997, Paul Oscar did his best to modernize the contest and naughty it up, but finished in a 20th place, with only 18 progressive points. Mostly from the few televoting countries, and because of that result, EBU forced Iceland to take one year off from the contest. The choice of the artists this time was internal, and for the 1999 contest, the choice fell on you. Do you remember how you were contacted for this? Yeah, I just received a phone call from Ruf, uh, and uh, they just asked me if I wanted to participate, and they told me that I could choose a songwriter, and I could choose the song, and that I could sing in English. And that was the first time we could sing in English, and I said, why not? So... I contacted Thorvald Bjartne, songwriter that I had been working with, and he wrote me like 19 songs. And uh, so we would just be in the studio and listen, and yeah, and ended up by there were two songs. One was a, a ballad called "All Because I'm All Alone." It's called. I know you're out there, just out of reach. I feel you near me, like love.
then there was a lot of luck and we thought I wanted to do an upbeat song because I'm a dancer and I wanted to dance and and yeah so I chose the upbeat song which was a lot of luck and uh, Ruth agreed to the uh, to the choice so don't work on a Sunday don't sleep on a Monday everything I wanted so it was kind of like a great gift. Do you know if you were the only artist they asked? For that year? Yeah. Um, I think he said you were the first we contact. You said it was 19 songs. Yeah. Can you reveal and do you remember the other songs? Well some of them ended up in my first album. I am. Uh, can't remember which ones but definitely we used some of them later. The song became an early favorite in the betting odds, and for the first time since your country started the competition, you were the actual favorite to win. Yes, it, it was. It totally surprised me. So when we got to Jerusalem, I, I just didn't know what to expect. So when we came there and we were just checking into the hotel, a lot of people knew me, and it kind of took me off guard. <laughs> you know, I, I was so completely new to this, and. And uh, then I saw this board and yeah, with the betting odds and I was like, oh my God, am I number one? I really couldn't believe it because I think I was just, I had no idea what I was getting into, you know, on the spot, you know, what kind of a fairy tale this would all turn up to be. The week leading up to the competition itself, I had just no idea. Did you feel the pressure? No, not from Iceland, but uh, of course, like... Being interviewed, because I was a favorite, I had a lot of interviews during that week, like from eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, throughout the day. And uh, there maybe I found some pressure, you know. Yeah. Not, not, not people putting pressure on me, but then I just started to put pressure on myself and I got really nervous because I didn't want to let people down. But still, in Iceland, I don't know what it is, but up until then, we always thought that we were going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, or at least, do really good. We always did, and then we just didn't. We always ended up 16. And <laughs> the next year, we didn't learn anything. We just thought, yeah, we're going to be in top five now. So when I was interviewed from the Icelandic press, you know, on the telephone, I said, I'm just gonna wish for the best and prepare for the worst because it's more chance that I'll just end up in the 16th place than anything else. <laughs> Given, given our, our experience. So I said, just let's just all keep calm, even though, you know, we have nice betting odds and fan favorites, but we have no idea what's going to happen on the actual night and who's going to vote for this song or not. So I was not really optimistic, to be honest. I was just keeping my feet on the ground. 
What do you remember from the hot city Jerusalem? Uh, I remember the Dead Sea. We went outside of the city, of course, the Dead Sea. I remember the old town in Jerusalem. Yeah. And, um, of course, we had great food at the hotel. We had a swimming pool. I didn't get a lot of chance uh, to travel because I was so busy. But then I went to Tel Aviv in 2019 when the competition was there. I actually saw you in Tel Aviv 2019. Oh, you did? Yes. Did we meet? No, we didn't. I was invited by a fan club to come and sing over there. And so I went back to Jerusalem and just drove by the by the, the hall that I competed in, which was very nice, 20 years later. And I went back to the old town and to the crying wall. That was amazing. And so I got to see a bit more that time around. Yeah. Uh, how were you treated in Israel? Really well. Wonderful people. Yeah. Do you remember anything happened behind the scenes that you can share with us? Are you talking about in the competition? In 1999? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes, yes, I can tell you, um, there was uh, on the floor, on the competition floor, on the stage, there were some lights, like they were like little, little lights and they had holes in them, you know. So at one point in one rehearsal, my heel got stuck in the light. So they had holes in the floor. And I remember uh, the stage director, he came up to me uh, the day before and said, I put $100 on you to win. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't know what to make of that. But then the following day, I stuck my heel in the floor. And then I came to him after the rehearsal and I said, well, I can tell you that if you're not going to close that um, <laughs> opening in the floor, you can kiss your $100 goodbye because I'm going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next day, There were no bumps in the floor. He fixed it. Yeah. How big was your delegation? I mean, we in Sweden send a small city every year. How big was your delegation? It was very small. How big was it? I mean, we were six on the stage and then we had one, two, three, four. Yeah, I think we were ten. On stage, you had three backup singers and two male yeah. dancers. Were the male dancers yeah. Israelis? No, Icelandic. Oh, All Icelandic. Yeah, yeah. When I rewatched this yesterday, I thought Really? Yeah. No, no, it's just yeah. Brynjar and Danny. Icelandic <laughs> <laughs> dancers. <laughs> okay. You performed in a modern white dress over trousers and had a braided hairstyle with pearls in. I remember this as a very modern style there and then. Mm-hmm. Also Einar in 2000 loved the skirt over trousers. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me once, tell me twice, tell me there is no compromise, we'll be together all the time. Who made your styling? Um, her name is Philippa, Philippia Elisdottir who made the dress, the outfit. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's a very well-known designer and a in Iceland and also works a lot in theater and uh, my hair and makeup was designed by Ragna Fosberg. Yeah, she works for Roof or did work for Roof and now she's more in films and TV series. Do you still have the dress? Yep, I do. Is it your favorite party outfit? Uh, I haven't tried it on for like 21 years and I, I'm not sure it's gonna fit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I've probably gained about six kilos, you know, in, in those 20, uh, you know, 21 years, six kilos. So, no, I don't think I would fit. <laughs> <laughs> It's not really stretchy. <laughs> Do you remember the songs from 99? 
Yeah, I do. Did you have any favorites among them? Yeah, I did. Maria Magdalena. From Croatia, I think. Yes, lovely song. Yeah, I love that one. I love that one. I love the Dutch song. I just can't remember it right now. It was Marlene. It was a really nice song as well. And I also like "Take Me to Your Heaven." It was a really catchy melody, and she did a great job. You know, performing it and singing it. Yeah. What else? Um, there was a cute guy from Norway. I think he was like 19 years old or something. Yeah, but I remember the Croatian and the Dutch song were my favorites. Do you remember who you thought was your biggest competitor? Yeah, Sweden, definitely Sweden. Devoting was a battle between Iceland and Sweden from the beginning. What was the yeah. atmosphere like in the green room? It it happened. It all happened so fast. I remember I was really really happy because I was doing so much better than I ever, you know, dared to imagine. And we were getting 12s and 10s, and that doesn't really happen for Iceland, you know, up until that time. <laughs> so I like, I felt I was really winning, you know, because I needed over 100 points just to keep Iceland in the competition, because otherwise we would have been kicked out another year. Yeah. Like happened when Paul Oscar went. So that was my, that was my aim to keep Iceland in the competition. And we only once. In the in our history, received more than a hundred points, and that was Sika and Grétar with Eight Lagan. It was not going to be easy, but when I saw that that might, you know, might happen, I was really, really ecstatic. And never at any point did I think that I was going to win. It was really, I never did. With uh, 163 points, Sweden won, mm -hmm. and you came second mm -hmm. with 146, and Germany finished third with 140 points. Yeah. If you had won, do you think your songwriter would also have tripped Dana International? <laughs> I'm not sure. 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, the press wrote that you said your song was the future and the winning song looked back. Was this taken out of context or did you mean it like yes, that? Yes, it was definitely taken out of context. I did not, I never said it like that. I said her is, is more of a classic. It reminds me of Appa, which is one of my favorite bands, all-time bands, you know. And I perform Appa every every time I perform, I perform at least one Appa song. So I said it was a really nice song. But I remember I saw a headline which said that I said this song was way too old-fashioned. And I never said that. Great. I thought you would tell me this. I remember this very clearly because I I bought the newspapers that said that you are pissed off. No, I was not. It's just like, yeah, they're trying to sell, you know, sell papers at that time. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of broke my heart, to be honest, because I was in Sweden at the time recording and gave this interview or it was two or three interviews and it's like they all wanted to make me look bad i don't know why i wanted to be absolutely clear that i did not say that you know take me to your heaven was a an old-fashioned song you know because I, I, i've had this question before because of those headlines and it yeah. it really breaks my heart because i really respect her and I like that song and I performed that song on my Eurovision gigs. And she was super nice as well. She came to me when she won and I congratulated her. But we were, we were not like rivals. We were just two people that, of course, we were rivals, but you know, not in that sense. We were just happy for each other. And I really was. I never thought I was going to win. I was very happy with the second place. Yeah. Charlotte Nilsson, now Pirelli, has been a guest in, on this podcast and actually one of the guys from the German group Surpritz too, when I think about it. So today we can finally round up the podium of 1999. Yes. Ugh. And Charlotte is one of the most loved artists we have in Sweden and it's always up to something new. Actually, she's currently in the pre-selection to reach Eurovision this year. Yeah. Uh, you gave Iceland the best result ever. Today tied with Joanna in 2009. What was it like to fly back to your home country? Ooh, it was crazy. Uh, once I got back, kind of for like uh, a few months, I had to like really change my lifestyle. I couldn't go to the swimming pools anymore. I was chased down the street. Uh, people were hanging outside my door. You know, all cute and nice, but I wasn't used to it. So it was kind of... Crazy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after your Eurovision appearance, an international launch was set and you signed a deal with Universal. An album was released and the next single was Hit Girl. The album became the best-selling in Iceland that year, but despite a strong album with several hits, the real breakthrough abroad never happened. Why? 
Ooh, many reasons. Um, my agent was actually, uh, he quit with Universal, so I got another one. And they always planned to do a big launch, but it never happened. a long time ago. It, it had something to do with my agent moving to Denmark, not still working for Universal in Sweden. And it kind of just died out. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but it's an old story and a lot of artists recognize this. Like I have a lot of friends that have signed with great labels and, you know, kept flying back and forth, but this is how it goes. But still I was able to go and um, shoot some videos and record in um, nice studios and I perform every year, you know, around the world or at least around Europe. Yeah. So it was a very nice fairy tale, even though it didn't lead to world dominance. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. In 2003, you joined the Icelandic delegation in Latvia as the singer Birgitta Haukdal's stage choreographer. Mm-hmm. How was your week there? Really nice. Much more relaxed, you know. It's very different to... Um, to be there as a singer or to be behind the scenes. And that's much easier. And uh, we just had a really nice week in Latvia. didn't catfight with the girls from Tattoo? No, I didn't. But I watched them <laughs> argue with each other on stage, on rehearsal. Yeah. But I actually loved their song, though. It was a really cool song. Do you remember anything special from Latvia that you can share with us? Yes. I remember we had some nice moments at the, the hotel bar because there was this American guy who I believe was also in Israel who knows all songs, like all Eurovision songs in every language. And I couldn't believe it. He was singing in Icelandic. He was singing in every language and he knew all the songs. So he would play the piano and everybody would gather around and sing. And that was kind of a beautiful moment of, you know, everybody being united, you know. Yeah. Turkey won and Iceland got an eighth place. Mm-hmm. And I remember from my episode with the singer Esther Hart, the, who competed for the Netherlands that year, that she thought Iceland and Spain had the best songs that year. Yeah, it was a very strong song and she did a great job on it. So eighth place is kind of good, you know, for Iceland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Two years later, you took part in the contest as a solo artist again. Tell me, was this mm-hmm. the first time since '99 they asked? Uh, I think so. I think, and they asked me again. What can you tell us about the song "If I Had Your Love"? Uh, just a song that uh, I chose. Now we had a team of songwriters. It was Thorvaldur who wrote "All Out of Luck," 
and uh, Vigner Snær. And we, you know, we just used the same approach, wrote a lot of songs and just chose this one. How many songs did you choose from this time? Uh, there were not 19. There were like more, seven or eight, something like that. Do you remember any of the other songs? Mm, no. In retrospect, was this the best song among the bunch? Yes, definitely. If I held you close Feeling your heart beat beside me Fast asleep, wide awake Every step, every move I made If I had your love I could live my dream Flying high above everything If I had your love You would light my world That would be enough If I had your love In 2005 the contest was held in Kiev since the wild dancing Ruslana won the year before. And before we talk about your performance and the outcome, what was Kiev like? Um, my memory of it then was kind of like grey. Uh, I, di- I didn't really feel great there, to be honest. It was um, after the, wasn't it right after the Orange Revolution? I felt like uh, people were not feeling very secure. And I remember we had a girl in our delegation who was local, she was wonderful, and she would just tell us stories, tragic stories, you know. So maybe I was just kind of caught up in those. Yeah. In our Swedish podcast, Schlagvännerna, my colleagues talked to former EBU boss Svante Stoxelius, who told them that everything leading up, leading up to the competition was chaos, and that the president stepped in just some weeks before Did you notice anything weird? Oh, yes, I did. Um, Because it's true, it was a lot of chaos and uh, we were shown like um, drawings of the stage. Yeah. And we were told that the stage floor would be able to change its colors. And so my design team designed our costumes with that in mind. Like my dancers were wearing brown trousers and that was because the floor was supposed to be like the northern lights at some point and they were supposed to be lying on the floor and doing some patterns but then when we came over it was black and uh, they said no it just it didn't work so no you're not gonna have any colors on the stage and i mean that it made some drastic changes to our plans because we had whole like a color palette we were going to use on the floor and all of a sudden we had nothing so yeah it was pretty chaotic i can I can assure you that. In a red harem-inspired outfit and with some glitter on your forehead, again, you performed the song? Yep. Hildur Hafstein, she designed this um, jumpsuit for me. I uh, wanted to have a color that would stand out. And Elin Reynisdóttir did my makeup and Svavarar did my hair. And... Uh, Yeah, so, and um, this costume is probably the most controversial costume that I've ever worn. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people hated it, you know. I loved it, Um, I loved it. I I, I do too, I really do. I think it's great, I think it's very designy and cool. But maybe because I didn't do that great in the competition, people just have to find something to blame. And that year, Icelandic people said it was 
all because of the outfit. <laughs> Among the big favorites to advance from the semi-final, according to the betting odds, were you and the Belarusian singer Angelika Agurbash. Remember who you you thought was your biggest competitor in the in, in the, the semifinals. semifinals? Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know. I can't remember. No, because uh, me myself, I, I even though we were, I, I wasn't very optimistic that we would get through that time. I just had that gut feeling. Okay. Why? I don't know. Just gut feeling. Sometimes, some sometimes your gut will tell you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 25 songs, you came 16th with 52 points. And for those who don't remember, in those days there were only a single semi-final and more songs pre-qualified for the final. Do you remember what you felt there and then? Um, yeah, I felt like I felt like I had let my people down. They were expecting me to do good because I did great the first time. Yeah, I felt just a tremendous um, sadness and I felt like a complete loser. That I've let everybody down. Do you think you and the audience had higher expectations upon you, given your success in '99? Maybe, maybe. Do you think that if I had your love was compared to all out of luck and deemed less good by voters? Probably because it didn't do great. <laughs> <laughs> what happened after Eurovision in 2005? Um. I just came home feeling kind of shitty for a couple of weeks or something. Uh, but then I went to the theater. I started working again. I, I've always, you know, had my one foot in the theater. So, uh, yeah, I just started full force acting in the theater again, but also singing and performing. So just life kept on going, like usually. The year after, Iceland sent your exact opposite, apart from the facial glitter department, the loudmouth mm. Sylvia Knight, to mm -hmm. Eurovision. Mm -hmm. And many fans of the contest claimed that she was chosen as a protest that you didn't qualify to the final the year before. What do you say about that? <laughs> no, that's bullshit. <laughs> that is absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing today in your life? Today, um, I'm actually uh, acting in a TV series called uh, Verbudin. Okay. And and I'm writing a play called Bitbara. It's uh, three females. It's kind of like a stand-up. And uh, me and Sarkasol, who's also a singer and an actress called Björk Jakobsdottir, we are writing this comedy play. Yeah. And we will uh, open in, hopefully, in mid-March. If COVID allows, you know, it's always dependent on that. What am I doing more? Yeah, I'm currently directing like voiceovers for uh, Universal cartoons. 
and just waiting. I'm yeah, I'm gonna go into the studio this year. I'm gonna record at least two songs. Oh, great! So yeah, so I'm just starting writing music again, and it's wow because it's been a long time. It's been ten years since I released a song because I've just been busy doing other things. I've been directing a lot and traveling and directing all around the world in theaters. But now I feel like I I really want to go and record something. So yeah, that that's the plan for for the spring. And hopefully when the theaters open up, I will be working there again and uh, and performing more because I, I work a lot as the host for like big parties. And I lost a lot of gigs last year, you know, yeah. I was booked every weekend, but now we can't be holding any big parties, you know, so we can only gather like 20 people. So we're just waiting for things to open up. If Iceland win this year, are you the presenter next year? Or is there some other role you would prefer to have in a Eurovision hosted in Iceland? I would love to uh, be a host. So if we win, I will, I will definitely apply for the position. <laughs> <laughs> Iceland is a very small country population-wise. How famous are you there today? I think I'm a household name. I mean, apart maybe from the, the little children now. I don't know if they know me, but maybe through the the, the place that I've acted in you know there a lot of them are shown in tv and dvds and stuff like that you know children plays uh wow this is a weird question <laughs> i don't have a scale i don't have a scale <laughs> i asked because i recently saw a news clip from iceland and the prime minister just walked by going to work and everyone just hi there like it was nothing out of the ordinary that's like that here you don't get you know uh, everybody's famous in Iceland, so you will go into a restaurant and there are five famous people there, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and nobody nobody actually cares, you know, they're not treated any different. Last year did not see a Eurovision Song Contest, but it did see the premiere of the movie Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, which centers around a fictional Icelandic participant in the Eurovision Song Contest. How well do you think they managed to depict Iceland in that movie? <laughs> not really well. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just taking a piss out of it. And it's it's funny, but it, it has nothing to do with reality. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for this nice conversation, Selma. Yeah, thank you too. Uh, I apologize for my English. It's like I haven't been speaking English for a year or so, so it's kind of rusty. I, I think your English was perfect. <laughs> I love the way you lie. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you, my dear listeners, both in and outside of Reykjavik. If you wish to contact me, my mail is emil.slagervanerna.se and you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe so you always are updated with new episodes. I hope we meet again soon. Selma, before we wrap up, what are your hopes for 2021? I hope... Uh, by the end of the year, we will be COVID-free and we can go back to our normal lives. And also that we learn something from this pandemic to treasure our lives better, to slow down a bit and to treasure Mother Nature better. Yeah, you're all out of love.